Hello there, everybody, and thank you so very much for hanging out with us again today as TLC presents Todd Versations. We are really excited to who we have. Look who's sitting next to me, my friend, Matt Rogers, the co-founder and general manager of Ag Socio. Brother Matt, welcome. Thank you, Todd. How's it going? I'm super I am glad you're here, brother. I really am. I'm excited about chatting today because I think that what you are doing is very, very, very worthy of our time. You know, we spend um, a lot of time talking about ag labor. We spend a lot of time talking about these issues. But I think that people don't fully understand what's actually going on out there in the world of agricultural labor. And I think we've got to elevate that conversation because ag labor is a positive cost of food that we must recognize or we are going to be screwed. Guaranteed. Yeah. So I hope you're ready, brother, because I have a laundry list of questions. I generally do. And like I tell people all the time, some of these conversations get me revved up and I'm revved up for this one because I do feel it's a really valuable one to have. And I'm excited that you're here hanging out with us. So again, thank you for being here. So you ready to, you ready to go, man? Ready to go. If we are, I'll, I'll, I'll make something up. Well, you know, that's the beauty of this, right? If, if, if you make something up and somebody else doesn't know the answer, you're technically right. <laughs> right. It's, I believe that's part of the, when you, I believe that's part of like the BS manual. I think it's like page four or something. I'm not even sure. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, brother, let's go. So I think it's really important that everybody knows a little bit more about you right from the start, like where you, you know, your trajectory in produce, where you, you know, a lot of people know who you are. Let's, let's be honest, right? You've been around a while, but I think it's important that people know where you came from, because I think that I don't want to say upbringing in produce, but your trajectory of your career has certainly affected you and has certainly brought you to a point of attention that I think ag socio is directly reflective of what's in your heart today. And so if you wouldn't mind, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about your background and produce and kind of how you got to sitting right there today. Yeah, thanks for um, thanks for that question to set the stage. Um, well, I guess my, pro yeah, my produce, I came up through Whole Foods, basically. Right. So I spent 13 years at Whole Foods in um, all of the national level or the global level, always on the procurement side of the business, working with suppliers and on the supply chain in produce. So that's all, that's my entire experience. I, my first job with Whole Foods was actually in Costa Rica um, in a, as, as a liaison in a partnership with a, um, a sustainable agriculture school there called Earth University. And I was lucky enough to get that job, um, which was supposed to be to try to figure out how to help that university sell stuff to Whole Foods and generate um, some revenue for the nonprofit. And um, that one thing led to another. That turned into a produce job because they had a big banana farm that needed a home. Um, Whole Foods to take a risk on that initiative. Um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears later, and 13 years down the road, I'm, they've sold hundreds of millions um, of Earth University bananas, and it's still a label people can find in most of the stores most of the time. Um, that job turned into a whole series of jobs as a buyer, um, leading the, the, the field team, the, the Whole Foods uh, famous bird dog team, um, and then eventually into different leadership positions in Whole Foods produce world. Um, where I ended up managing food safety compliance, uh, sustainability, and labor issues, um, as well as sort of playing a leadership role in the overall procurement um, um, operation there. And right. it was through that that work on with this with our supply chain on on trying to understand issues that growers face and issues that we were being asked about by customers and and media and investors and everybody else and try to figure out what the answers are to things about relating to the environment or relating to uh, social issues that I became so aware of um, the details of the labor problem 
Um, and that kind of led to, to, to where I am now. Uh, but a lot of my time at Whole Foods was also spent internationally building fair trade programs, building a lot of the, you know, what was called whole trade and I think is now called sourced for good at the, in Whole Foods. So we, you know, a lot of times sort of seeing some of the innovative growers out there right. doing cool things with labor and then also dealing with the problem children, the things that would come up that we'd have to go out and say, oh, what happened here? Um, so kind of seeing both of those, both, both the, the full spectrum um, sort of gave me, I think, the, the perspective to see that there was an opportunity to do what, what we're trying to do now. Right. And, and I'm going to get into specifically, so don't, people aren't freaking out, like, what are we talking about? I'm going to get into Ag Socio in a second, but I really feel it's important to kind of frame up a couple of questions before we get there, because I think it's super relevant. One of the things that, that you're doing now that's important to you is that you serve on the board of CERTO. Um, and I'd love for you just to, as well as the Equitable Food Initiative. And I believe CERTO in Spanish is like certain or true, correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, could you just touch a little bit about what CERTO and the Equitable Food Initiative are first? Yes. Um, so CERTO is a, um, a, a nonprofit H-2A recruiter. Um, and we're going to talk a bit about what H2A is. It's the, yeah. the agricultural guest worker program that is um, growing very quickly in this in this country as a uh, really the only alternative to the to the to the need for for labor. Um, and there are all kinds of challenges that emerge with international recruitment um, of recruiting people from one country to come work in another. These international um, worker programs are not unique to the United States or to agriculture in the United States. They're they're all over the world. And there are a lot of known pitfalls. And Cierto exists to try to create an alternative that is transparent and that is uh, worker focused, that alleviates some of the exploitation that can occur either intentionally or unintentionally in the system, so that there's a so that there's a um, a good transparent alternative for 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 people like us at Exocio and other other growers, other employers to use. So right. I'm on the, I serve on their board of directors, um, and we're a relatively small organization, but but growing and it's a really good alternative for people who are looking for um, kind of a um, maybe a, a newer, a newer, more modern approach to to uh, to each two recruitment. Which I want to which we are going to get into, believe me, because I'm I want to I'm so impressed with what you guys are up to. So equitable food initiative, just real quickly on that one as well. The equitable food initiative. Uh, I'm not on their board of directors. I'm on their standards committee. Right. And the equitable food initiative is a uh, no longer new. Uh, third-party certificate um, that that it's a label that uh, that that growers can achieve through a certification process, and they look at um, food safety, social accountability, and pesticide use. I guess are kind of the three pillars of the standard. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really it's very much more than a, more than a certification program. It's very much driven. It's very it's sort of driven by a by a worker engagement process. And it's really about uh, trying to develop a a workforce engagement um, strategy and, right. and culture that that can lead to so much positive benefit for everybody involved. So I've been involved with with them in that capacity since I was at Whole Foods. Right. Um, I sort of represented Whole Foods on the standards committee, and then they just let me hang around after I left. Well, that's nice. You're a good guy. I don't see why they wouldn't. <laughs> so, and I appreciate you framing that up, but I think it's important. I just again, I, I wanted to kind of give people a perspective of who you are because when we drill down, when I get into the you know the, the the next couple of questions, um, I just think it's really important that people hear from you who you are before you answer these questions. Because I believe that based on what I know and knowing you and knowing what you're doing, I feel it just, it's going to exemplify, it's going to lift up 
what you're all about. And I just think that was, to me, I felt it was important. So mm-hmm. let me ask you, let me ask you the, the tough, real question. How screwed up is the labor situation at ag today? No bullshit. Lay it on us. How bad is it? It's very bad. <clears throat> it's, it's bad. And, um, and I think it's, and I'll tell you how, but it's important for people, you know, I think we talk about agricultural labor or farm workers, these generic terms. The reality is it's so agriculture is such a diverse place. I mean, you got dairy, livestock, the, you know, grain and commodity type uh, production, right. specialty, fruits and vegetables, nuts, oh, a bunch of stuff I, I, I didn't mention. So many different types of food production and so many different places and like all across the country and all across the country and and so many different seasons and so many types of different types of jobs from the most from the from the truly unskilled mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, maybe a guy with a hoe cleaning around the edge of a ranch you don't really need to know much it's just manual labor up through very quickly moving across the spectrum to much more skilled and ultimately highly skilled um, right. so it's everything right it's 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 a it's a huge diverse industry and a huge diverse workforce that supports it right um, but the the problem is acute uh and the and there are there are just not enough people to do all of the work and there are many reasons for that um which we can get into if you like uh, but you know i think driven primarily by the fact that much of agriculture and i'll i'll speak to what i know which is the really the produce industry and really sure. And and I'm a, and I'm now I'm not from California, but I'm now a California guy. So I, my experience is limited, and uh, it's a big world out there. So I can't I can't answer for everybody. But um, for a long time, agriculture depended on um, a constant flow of young, undocumented uh, people coming across the border from Mexico. Right. And basically, unlimited for a long time. So. It was inex- it was relatively inexpensive labor, um, and and no shortage of bodies to do the work. So agriculture didn't need to be smart about how it utilized labor because it was abundant. Um, right. But stretching back for many years now, really back to at least uh, the beginning of the Obama administration, maybe earlier, that situation has has changed dramatically. The border is no longer porous, has not been for quite a long time. Um, so there is no longer um, a, a fast flow of people coming across. The economy in Mexico is also different and better. There are more opportunities there. So there's less drive for migration. And right. then folks who are already here are getting older. Um, so they are less able, less willing to do the same work that they've been doing for all these years. So the existing workforce is kind of aging. Um, and they're also, you know, agriculture has always kind of been this low pay. The work is very difficult. You're outside. It's long hours. It's difficult work um, for relatively little pay. So people will go do something else as soon as they have an opportunity to do something else. Right. Um, so agriculture really struggles, I think, now as somewhat self self fulfilling, um, um, you know, result of our of our own action or inaction over the years, but right. we're at the point now where, um, you know, you, there are, there are growers, people are making decisions to plant or not plant or dropping acreage because they don't have the people to support it. 
Right. Um, and there's a point at which the dollars don't matter. You know, you can offer more money. It doesn't solve the problem. And just no. one more point, you know, people who are not in the industry or who are not on this end of the industry tend to think, well, you got unemployment over here, you know, overall, like there's people available to do the work. The reality is not everybody can do this work. A lot of everybody is willing to do this work, you know, regardless of the wages, really. Right, right. It, it, is, it is not for everybody. Um, and so you can't just take somebody, um, you know, from the hospitality industry, for example, back during coronavirus, right? Everything was closed, but I was working. It was, oh, perfect. You just move the people over. No, that doesn't, you know, that no. doesn't. Um, well, so. well, I think willingness is a huge word, right? It's, it's this willingness to work. And I, and I think that's a challenge. The work ethic of people who work, I mean, in the produce industry in general, food industry, but the, the work ethic of people who work in agriculture is a sight to behold. I mean, it is, this is a, from, far, you know, farmers uh, and, and all of the various levels of supervisor management uh, down to the hourly worker, I mean, the number of hours and the amount of effort that has to go into it is impressive and not everybody sure. really are able to work that hard. Well, I don't think people realize, and I, I did a, a broadcast with uh, uh, Dr. Jennifer Tucker with the NOP, and one of the things we talked about was, was labor as they're working on their human capital project trying to advance um, retention throughout the USDA and, and the NOP, et cetera. 11, just, I think it's 10.9%. I'm going to call it 11 because round it up. 11% of the labor force is in agriculture in this country, which shocked me. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of people. So when you start, you know, you start to think about all the moving parts and all of a sudden you lose 10% of those moving parts, 15% of those moving parts, 30% of those moving parts, you have a very wobbly wheel. Yes. For sure. And we're not slowing down. Like, it's not like we're not producing more food because we have more people. So right. it's an issue. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. I appreciate kind of the way you framed that up. So now let's get to the question that um, everybody's dying. Tell us what's Ag Socio. What's it about? Um, so Ag Socio is a uh, farm labor and service provider or a farm labor contractor, which is the, the sort of a general term, um, which can be a bad word, right? Depending on where you're coming from. Um, but but we, we, for those who are the uninitiated, we are um, an employer of people who would be considered farm workers. We have all different types of things that we do. Um, right. but we basically employ the workforce and we go out and work for farmers who hire us to come in and do particular jobs for them. Um, so we are like a third party service provider um, for growers and it's farm labor contractors. There are thousands in the country, maybe double digit thousands. It's a, you have to be federally registered uh, to be a farm labor contractor in the United States. And there are many, many, many of them. Everything from very large, sophisticated, um, tens of thousands of employees, um, professional operations down to an individual with a pickup truck, which is right. probably the majority of that, of that, of the, of the, of the total number, although right. not the majority of employment. Um, and generally speaking, labor contractors uh, bill wages plus a commission. And then we cover things like we cover, it's our workers' compensation, we pay the payroll, we do the payroll taxes, we're bringing the bathrooms and the shade, um, and, and the, in, some, in our case, transportation, all kinds of other things to the field. But we're kind of responsible for 
the, the workforce. So we bring the workforce ready to go, um, the equipment um, and, and, and so on. And then we, we come in and do the work that the grower needs to have done. So we talked about a little bit earlier. I want to get a little deeper with this question. How did you identify, you know, here you are, you're doing your thing, you're at Whole Foods, you're clipping along, you know, and all of a sudden you wake up one Tuesday and go, I want to make a change and I want to make a positive change in this space. So how did you identify the need, you know, for Ag Socio? Um, yeah, good question. When, when we were... My questions don't suck. So don't, you know, just they're, they're, they're going to get better as we get going. Trust me. <laughs> so when we were um, one of the, at Whole Foods, one of my one of my responsibilities for a number of years was this deep dive into our supplier requirements. What is it? What is it? What does it mean? Sort of an upgrade of our what were then outdated, you know, stuff that we ask suppliers in order to be able to sell to Whole Foods in the produce department. So we went through kind of the whole A to Z list. I made a lot of I made a lot of friends um, and. Uh, one of the things we really wanted to look at was labor standards, right? What are the what is the what are the working conditions and the employment conditions of the people that are in our that were in our whole food supply chain, right? And so, you know, in the course of doing that research, I kept asking suppliers who were not necessarily always growers, right, to a retailer, hey, mm-hmm. what about all this stuff about labor? Oh, I don't know. Let me ask the grower. Okay, ask the grower. Well, I don't know. I have to ask the labor contractor and the labor contractor, and it would always come back like this black box. Can't, I don't know. Can't get it. We don't know the labor contractor, you know? And so I said, well, what's a, you know, sort of, well, what's a labor contractor, you know? So I right. started getting into that concept. Oh, there's a third party. It's actually a labor supply chain. There's a food supply chain. It's actually a labor supply chain. Also, where are the people all coming from that are doing all this work? They don't necessarily work for who you think they work for. Right. Um, so supply chain management from, from the whole, from at that point, Whole Foods perspective, um, I was thinking, oh, that's a problem, right? We're trying to we're trying to gain transparency into our supply chain, but here's a black box, and we right. kept it coming back. No, I can't get it. Oh, I don't know. It's kids. That's their records. We can't. And so we started looking into it and realized, well, I think there's an opportunity for a company that that is transparent, that will participate, that'll be a, a participant in what's trying what 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 everybody from you know the whole supply chain is trying to. Is, is is accountable to somebody for what are you doing um, right. you know to open records for auditing and all kinds of other purposes let alone reputational management all this stuff um, I thought huh there's an op- there's got to be an opportunity here to to do something that is maybe a more modern um, approach mm-hmm. in what turns out to be a very old industry which is still very informal in many ways um, so so that's where, so the concept for Axosio emerged about, can I do, can we do better for the workforce by being a better employer uh, by, it's not rocket science, but by trying to employ um, or deploy, you know, the types of benefits and um, recognition and work environment and consistent human resources support, all this stuff that is standard in other industries, but has been lacking in the agricultural employment world, especially in the labor contractor segment, which is growing right. um, as a share of total employment, more and more is going to these to third party employers like us. Uh, so we thought, okay, can we, we can probably do better for the workforce. And if we can do better for the workforce, we can become an employer of choice, right? which is a term that's buzzing around a lot these days. But, but can we be the best employer so that those people who are going to be in agriculture 
want to come work for us. So we can, we can have this loyal, consistent, trained, efficient, productive workforce because we are a better employer to them. And then in that way, provide a better service to the growers who are also underserved by a lot of labor contractors who are not necessarily helping growers um, with their costs that are going up, 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 right? With like the minimum wage in California, up, 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 a number right. of hours, down, 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 cost of everything is increasing. The labor, you know, we gotta be smarter. Um, so there's a way to be, to do both things. We thought there was a space to do both things. So, so that's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be a professional, modern, transparent, accountable, um, uh, tech-enabled, smart, agile labor solution for growers and the best employer in the market for for, for workers. I love that. I mean, I, I I absolutely love it. And you know, bottom line, positive cost of food, right? We have to have these conversations, no matter in all aspects of food. And we're on to labor, but I mean, we have to have these conversations because I don't think people recognize the disparity between a lot of what you're doing and what a whole lot of other people aren't doing. You know, I've been around in this space a long time, and I can share some more stories of things that I have seen or things that I've heard. You know, p- people are being charged to get on the van to go to work, you know, every single day. They're five bucks to get on, five bucks to get off, you know, all this. Other, I mean, just whatever story you want to get in. But I think that that to come from a perspective, and, and that's why I led in earlier about coming from your heart, right? For coming from a perspective of trying to raise the bar, you know, and hold everybody up to a higher level is what positive cost of food is all about. And I commend you for what you shared and sharing the differences for what you're doing because and i want to get into those a little bit later more specifically but i just wanted to say i appreciate what you've said you know to that point and talking about what kind of goes on tell me a little bit um about some of the common and i touched on it briefly but some of the common misconceptions you deal with as a labor provider right because there's words like you know and i'm not going to be despair but there's words like coyote and there's words like this and there, there's just all this drama that comes around it because there's not there's people out there that just aren't doing a good job for people right, right? they're hurting our industry by not doing a good job right yes there are well there are um you know i don't know if there are misconceptions because so, some of them are true, right? Like, the, like, the, like you're right. right. There's the, the, the farm labor contractors to a lot of people, um, like say a worker advocate, it's a bad, that's a bad word, right? They, it is perceived as a, a, an attempt to avoid accountability. It's perceived as oh, a grower hires a labor contractor because then I wash my hands of it. It's not my liability. You pay them, don't pay them. Right. Like it's not my thing. There that does that did for a while drive some of the popularity of labor contracting, no doubt about it, right? It's um, it, it's it's one step removed. Um, that's not a valid, really even approach anymore, especially not in California, where you know you're in it. You hire a labor contractor, you you're li- you have liability. I mean, you you know, not on maybe on every single thing, but you're not excused by the fact that you hired somebody else to do something. If the really comes push comes to shove in this state, at least. You know the growers in it with you, so there's really not. But the 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 misconceptions. I mean, I think the the reputation mm-hmm. of the farm labor contractor is that um, it's a that that there's a um, 
a lack of formality. I think that's a that's probably a, a truth with the with the majority of operators. Sure. Lack of formality of employment. It's a very informal space where people will go get show up in the field and get hired in the field and go to work at that same moment, right? It's not like you're going to fill out necessarily an application and an office and do all your stuff, right? At some point, the paperwork has to happen, but you have a certain amount of time legally mm -hmm. to do all that. So like there's this, this, this high turnover, low relationship uh, dynamic that in a labor contractor is hiring some foremen and the foremen really bring the people. And so the people kind of work for the foreman and the foreman passes through the labor contract just because, you know, that's the company ends up being the entity who has the insurance and they have a relationship with the grower or whatever, but right. really necessarily doing a whole lot. They're kind of like a labor broker, a lot of people. And they have these different foremen the foreman jumps to another guy and he jumps to another guy. And then, you know, the relationship, but the, for the worker, they don't know who they're necessarily working for. Um, right. What, who do you go to if, if things are, 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 are off track, right. If, if either transportation is whacked or there's no bathrooms or worse, you know, there's a, there's um, every, you know, sexual harassment, sexual assault, um, physical assault, all kinds of threats. The worst is the worst of the cases, right? But it sure. has happened and it does happen. And as a result, the few perpetrators of the, those few bad actors, like any industry, like anything, the few bad actors, um, cause a negative perception spiral whole segment and right. um, and it, you know it continues to go on there's a few news stories that are currently bubbling up just in this area about people doing ridiculous things um so our approach again is like well, well we want to be the ones like we're not going to cause that problem for anybody right we we're going to be the ones where we're trying to really develop a direct relationship with everybody who works with us right we're not hiring foremen who bring people. We're hiring foremen who work for us, for people, work for us professionally. That's all, that's what it is. And then we're hiring uh, people separately for us uh, through a process that's as formalized as we can get it. Uh, and um, and we're, so we're attempting to, pro I guess, professionalize um, the agricultural employment experience. And hopefully, right. and hopefully that way we don't, we're providing a better work environment and better employment environment for workers, which, as I said earlier, hopefully have people want to work for us. But then also our objective, our big bet is, well, if we're doing that, then we should be able to do better for our customers. Uh, first of all, we're not going to create any legal liabilities for them because we're right. doing as, as we're, we're, we have a beyond compliance mentality. Um and it's, you know, compliance is a daily challenge. So I'm humbly, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of laws in California that have emerged and in the U S that have emerged at, as a reaction of lawmakers to all of the bad things that have happened. But like anything, you know, those of us who follow the rules, follow all these rules, right? There's constantly new, 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 new requirements right. because the reaction for every bad thing is always pass a new law, but Again, like anything, the reaction is never enforced. You know, let's increase enforcement. It's always just okay, more laws. Well, right. Um, so it's so for those of us who are following the rules, it's very frustrating because like oh, another thing to do. Meanwhile, the guys who are ignoring it are just going to keep ignoring it. So, right. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's everybody deals with that, right? If you're a rule follower, whatever your business is, if you're following the rules, you got the cheaters. 
and um, it's life. But in this industry, especially, um, there, there's a lot of that. It's a very informal space, it has been. And so that's our opportunity is to be different. Well, you know, it, it, it is life, but you know, more importantly, it's lives, plural, right? And it's about uplifting people, right? If you're uplifting people, they uplift. We continue that cycle of positivity. And I think that's super important. And, and, and labor certainly needs to be held, I think, in that kind of higher standard thought process. So I'm going to get a little bit down in the weeds a touch because I think this is an important thing for people to, to hear. And, and, and I know we use the name and H2A is out there all the time in the news and the media. And if you ask somebody what it means, they probably think it's a vitamin or whatever the case may be. But nonetheless, can you just give us the, the what is H2A program and give us a, a, you know, kind of where that is, what it is, et cetera? Yes. Um, so the H2A program is a, is a, is called a guest worker program. It's a visa, it's a temporary visa program that is managed by the federal government, U.S. federal government, um, by the State Department, um, along with all the other types of visas that are issued by consulates around the world for people to come into the United States for whatever reason. There are work visas, and H-2A is one category of those. That is the the classification for seasonal agricultural workers, H-2A, is that one. There's also H-2B, which is seasonal non-ag. So that's like your landscape businesses, your golf course people, your resort areas, you know, that seasonal Mm -hmm. non-ag. And then there are the high-tech type visas also. You hear about H-1B, all these different, all different classifications of temporary visa or work visas that the United States government offers to people who qualify for different programs. And there is one for ag and it's called H2A. And it has its whole range of requirements. uh, And there's a whole bureaucratic process that you have to follow in order to apply. As an employer, if I want to participate in the H2A program, I want to bring workers here on visas that the United States government is going to give me permission to utilize, um, we're gonna, we have to follow, we follow this whole process to submit an application with all of our licenses, with all of our work sites, where they're gonna be working, all the housing, where they're gonna be living, what is our transportation plan, all of this stuff has to be submitted in advance. We have to justify uh, that there is a need for temporary foreign workers to come in to do a particular job by showing that there are not domestic uh, workers available to do that job. So you have to do uh, go through a recruitment process where you're actually trying to recruit people. Of course, we're always trying to hire um, U.S. residents, local, local, local employees. So not a challenge for us to demonstrate that, but you have to demonstrate, look, I'm trying to hire uh, local people. There's a formal process you follow to do that. Right. Um, and then you go through this process and assuming you qualify with the various federal agencies that are involved and with your, there's a state agency that's in every state in the country that is kind of assigned as the counterpart for the federal government at the state level. And they're actually the ones who assess the, that the, that the workers are needed is that's happens a little closer to the ground. Right. So the economic development department and some other state would be whoever, you know. Um, so you pass all these requirements by all these different agencies, you kind of move through this workflow. And at the end of it, you come out approved 
for however many visas you were able to justify you needed. Mm -hmm. And then you can go recruit employees to fill those visas. And right. then they go, they go into the consulate, wherever they are, um, for uh, an interview. There's an interview process that they have to go through where they will be, um, they will be vetted um, for prior border crossings, um, any legal trouble that they've uh, gotten into uh, up here. They may have, you know, they, they, they will do their, the, 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 the U.S. government does its, does its due diligence. So you have to recruit well, uh, and then you, you're, when you bring uh, your, 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 your potential, your recruits in for these interviews, um, they will emerge either with the visa or not after a couple of days. And then with that visa in hand, they can cross the border on the date that you had originally submitted way back that you had to cross. Uh, there's a finite timeline, 10 months, no longer, um, it can be as short as you want. Um, and so that's basically, those are basically the parameters. You have to provide housing right. free charge, and there are federal requirements and there may be state requirements, which there are in California that you have to meet for the quality of the housing, square footage, um, cooking facilities, bathroom facilities, et cetera, certain, all certain specs. Um, and you would be, were inspected. Um, in California here, we're inspected by two different agencies at least once a year. We're really getting, uh, we're getting three inspections per year on every housing location that we have right now. Wow. Um, you also have to provide transportation daily um, from the housing to the work sites, right? To the, to the ranches, um, round trip free of charge. And there are all kinds of requirements for driver safety um, the vehicle safety, et cetera, that we have to follow here in California. Um, and you have to provide round trip transportation. You have to pay all the costs of the recruitment process. Right. The, all the visa paperwork and filing fees, but also the transportation of that recruit from wherever they live to that border town where they or the the town where they hit the consulate appointment they're a hot their food and lodging and then their international transportation to get them from um the border or deeper in mexico maybe by air wherever it right. is and, then, and there's h2 employees that come from ireland there's h2 employees that come from sure. from mexico but there are many different countries so if people are flying people are coming by 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 by, by ground yeah, and I, so you're paying all those costs. I don't think people real. I, I I don't know necessarily that everybody actually realizes what is involved in this process. And I also don't think that you know, especially the way you framed it up. I mean, it's, it's it is. I don't think people necessarily understand how important a role the H two A program plays in agriculture. <laughs> I mean, because you're talking about we're trying to recruit here, that's not working. Now we've got to go do this. I, I think it's a very interesting dynamic and an interesting comparison. Um, share a little bit more. I want to get a little bit more specific about what you guys are doing differently with your H2A, right? Because you guys are, let's call it, I mean, you guys are more socially conscious. You are a little bit, you're, a different, you're in a different mindset than a lot of companies. So can you get into details a little bit about how you kind of customize, I guess, for lack of a better word, you know, what you guys are doing? Mm -hmm. 